Hey guys, Jake the Podcast Guy here, and welcome to Sunday Night Teacher Talk on Teacher Class Off Radio, where CJ Reynolds answers your questions live and in real time. You can participate in the show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Real Rapper Reynolds YouTube channel. If you missed the live show, don't worry. Each episode is uploaded the following Monday to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also join our Facebook group to communicate with other educators from around the world. Now, on to the episode. Right, and there it is. Um, dad jokes right up until the last second here. So, oh my goodness gracious. Can you uh, can you hand me that book that's next to you there, wife? The top one? Yeah. Um, so, before we jump into this, and as people are signing on, I just want to say thank you so much for being here. Um, and I know that's what everybody says when they have a podcast or something like that. But, you know, I, I think it's just like, it's just not lost on you. Right. Like uh, it's not also knew that anyone would show up um, and that people want to like you get to just be a part of something that is bigger than yourself. That is like uh, people wanting to be better and do better stuff. And and, and so I love it all the time. And so um, I'm reading a couple of books right now. And one of the things I've been doing is like I won't order a book that's in my cart until like I read some of the books that I have because I have a lot of books right now and there's a new book that came out that I really 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 want to order um but I it's like you're not reading the ones you have so why don't we just get through some of those first but one of those is um I got put into this book Unbreakable by Jay Glazer Jay Glazer I've seen on we used to watch we were big fans of Ballers he's on inside the NFL or something like that and but so I heard him on a podcast and he was talking about the fact that he deals with chronic anxiety and depression. And I just thought that was so fascinating because if you see this guy on TV, he is super dynamic. And he was telling the story. He goes, you know, you see that, you see that, that person. But then in the shadows, what's happening is like, there was one year he was um, doing the Super Bowl, And I don't know what his, what capacity he was like, if he was like an announcer or if he was just a personality on there, but whatever, like you got to be a part of the Super Bowl, right? Which is like everybody's dream. It's like a news, like a, like a sideline, like, you know, yeah, but he does other stuff goes. too. He helps like, I think he'll do like the halftime breakdown and stuff like oh, that. Okay. He okay. got to do that. And, but on the way there, like that morning, he couldn't get out of bed. He like was so depressed and it's like, but you get to have like this incredible day and how, he talks about he, how he refers to it is um, that he lives in the gray. And he's like, the gray is always there. I'm always going through it. But how do I get through it? And one of the things I read this week that I just, it hit me so hard was um, that laughter is the way out for him. It's one of the th- ways to, to really battle that feeling that's going on inside of him. And for so often, you know, like, one of the reasons that really stuck with me, and I know you're not really paying attention to me, but I'm going to pretend that you are because I know you're doing work (laughs) is when we, the kids were little and I remember Brody fell and got hurt and I picked, you know exactly what I'm going to say. I picked him up and I tried to make him laugh um, because he was to make him feel better. And you said, don't do that. You have to let him know that you love him, know that it's okay and know that it's all right to like let him have his moment of feeling how he's feeling and not just try and switch it. And when he said humor, I'm like, oh, when you said that to me, it locked me into, I don't try to make people feel better. 
I let them try and be go through their thing. But the humor can actually be like this. This I think it's a both. It it's for sure. doing it and knowing when to do it and why you're yeah. doing it. So you're not covering up feelings. Right. It's a way of battling against some of that doom and gloom, the chaos, the madness, all the stuff that teachers go through. It's like and it made me think this week going into school, like um, when I haven't felt as jokey this mm-hmm. year, it's like, no, I need to do that. Mm. It feeds me. It feeds other people. And it, and it, it is, a, is a weapon um, against all that might be happening for you. And so that, that's just one of the things I got out of is this book this week. natural, like innate, like uh, personality, like lean? So is that for everybody, do you think? That's my question. Like, what about the people who? Great aren't? idea. Um, so yes. So uh, you know that I, that's me naturally mm-hmm. out there making jokes. I had a situation at IKEA yesterday. Marley grabbed something off of a shelf. The whole shelf collapsed. The entire place looked at Marley, and Marley do- doesn't. As a twelve-year-old girl, right? You know, at no. the stage of life, you're just like, I don't want all eyes on me. No. So <laughs> even when I joke with her and I go, "Can you start the live?" feed for me tonight and she was just she's always just like no, no. never never ever ever yeah. um she, and so i made a joke everyone starts laughing and looking at me and marley was like that was the worst part of it and i was like oh i thought the part where the shelf fell down and almost hurt no it was all eyes on me and then you made the joke which made even more people look and laugh and she hated that so to your point um no it's not trying to be funny if you're not funny but being around that, putting yourself strategically around people that are laughing, that are having a good time, that might say something that makes you laugh, mm-hmm. I think that's then the move. Because not everyone is even, even if some people try to be funny, it's just not what they do. They just don't yeah. think. My brain thinks of jokes way. all the time. It's always looking at ways that things are funny. And so it's just where my head goes to. Um, and that's not everyone's Which gift. Really makes you perfect for teaching freshmen. It does. Or middle school. Except you think like a juvenile all the time. <laughs> like I literally think of fart jokes all the time. Oh my goodness. Everything becomes juvenile. All right, are you ready to start with Let's some do it. That's so anyway, look, man, this is a real wrap with Reynolds uh, Teach Sunday night teacher talk. Um, if this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, We're going to ask you if you could just hit that thumbs up button because it just puts us into the algorithm and lets more teachers know. So you because look, y'all are a resource for teachers, whether you know it or not. Just being in those comments, someone asks something and you answer it or you're thinking about something. They're already having they're having they're nobody's responding to what we're saying. They're having their own hit the thumbs up button so everybody knows what you're doing. I don't get paid off of that. It doesn't do me a damn bit of good. Let's everybody know about you. Um, and if you haven't subscribed, subscribed, hit the bell. It'll let you know that this is happening every Sunday. So if you ever go, oh, I forgot. When you hit the bell, it shoots you a little signal, right? And goes, hey, man, don't forget. You're important and you need to show up for people. Um, and so that's what we're doing. We're showing up for people so we can be the teachers that we are called to be. And with that, hit it, wife. Let's answer some questions. Okay, Meg Cooper is first up and she's asking, how do you make grading feel like feel like less of a chore i used to love reading student work and giving helpful feedback but now it just feels like a burden any tips that's meg cooper think about the first time that you got your own apartment and you cleaned it and you took care of it it just was like just feels great and then a couple years later you're just like or months even you're just like damn this it's kind of pain in the ass like 
I sometimes think about that when we when we put date night on the calendar, right? It takes sort of the spontaneity away, right? It's just like it's date night. We're not just like kicking it and going on. Hey, want to go out? Let's go do something crazy. Can't we don't have time for crazy right now, right? We got time for date night. So it becomes this thing that could be systematic. Um, You know, a couple of things, Meg, is that one just things done over time. You just get used to them. They're just not as fun anymore. But I am such a believer in creating the space. So a couple of things. One, um, it is limiting the time. So you're saying I'm going to grade for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is. But making that and living and dying by the calendar, right? This is when I'm going to do this. This is how much time I'm going to put into it right now. That alleviates stress on the back end because then you know that you don't, one, have to do it forever. And two, even if you only get a little bit of it done, a third of it done, a half of it done, whatever, in that time that you are, because when you're doing it, you're not doing anything else in that hour. You're only doing that. You are, even if you don't get all of it done, you know that you have less to do later. That helps me, that, that mind game helps me a little bit. Also, when I sit back here in my office, it is turning on the lights. It's ha- so these lights, I can change the color of them. Um, putting on the right mood of the light, it's lighting a candle or at lately here's something that makes me sound like a super hip you're gonna laugh at me right i already know super hippie woo woo dude i bought incense i haven't had i haven't owned even saying that out loud because we used to work at a store called flashback and it was like the hippie store and it sold incense yeah. and tie-dye and just like so incense yeah. was a part and of the only adults point, that bought incense also were buying crystals or they were old white guys with the dreads right okay. it was I'm just really like generalizing folks. yeah we are Sorry. hope I, someone out there is like i burn incense all the time look so great i bought incense but the reason i like that my smelling sense is not as strong as it used to be um i don't know why but uh having something that smells having the lights right putting on the right jams right it is creating the space that makes me want to be in the room and to do work right so that helps too it's creating the space it's putting a time limit on what you're doing and one of the things I started doing several years ago in school was I would grade with other people. So it's like we're all going to get together and grade and it's like, oh, let's get coffee and then we're going to sit in this room and we're all grading because we got a lot of work or all lesson planning or we're all doing IEP paperwork together. So then you're sharing ideas, you're talking and it becomes a time that you look forward to. Like you re- literally create the space that you want to be in and then the doing whatever the hell you're doing whatever. So that's part of the reason like date night is we get, I, I get dressed up. My wife gets semi dressed up. Cause no, I don't. I usually am so busy with the day that I blink. I was being nice. I, I was being nice. I know. Let's be honest. You put it on Instagram. I hate it. All right. So <laughs> but shame on me for not, you know, well, no, getting ready more. For no, no shame on you. Um, <laughs> but it's like about going to a place too, right? Like I don't want to do date night at home on purpose. Yeah. Literally, if we don't even spend that much, if we could spend $5 and get a milkshake and split it and drive yeah, it's around, not about- it's about intentionally moving out and, yeah. and being in spaces and places that you want. I think that, and with people that you want, and then it becomes, even though it's a chore, when we do cleanups in the house, we got to have the right jams on. We turn on the lights, we put on music, and then we clean up together. And it just makes, it shifts the energy. So it's about figuring out that energy and then moving like that. What do you got? Excellent. I'm sorry, that was me. 
All right, our next question comes from Summer. She's asking, I'm part of the State Standards Rewrite Committee. It feels like it's all about politics and not about history. Is it possible to change the system from within? I'm starting to feel like I have to leave the classroom to make a long-lasting impact. What do you, what's that? Just, it just makes me sad. I hate that that's, the, that's sort of the answer. It pulls so many great educators out of the classroom. Um, hard. So I'm going to look at it a different way. I think people leaving the classroom that are make people that I could not do that job. I could not go write state standards. My no, brain doesn't, doesn't work, work like, like that. that. No, I understand. Um, it is not my skill set. It's not where my giftedness is located. Um, but someone else who does have that. So if some, if that is in summers, like that's where her giftedness is like doing that work that's going to systematically change things and make it better for teachers and education. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense to me. Right. So it's like, just because you were called into education doesn't mean teaching was for you for all the time. Now, if she goes in and does that work and she has the ex the experience and the expertise of actually being an educator and then moves into that space to create to recreate yeah, the system really that's going to make it yeah. better for teachers then heck yeah man do it not everyone needs to be a foot soldier sure, i'm not saying to not do that i'm just saying the transition is just hard right there's heartache there's heartbreak in it you just feel oh like sure but that's with anything right that's like if you become you were that's, a teacher and you're where my heart goes you could go into curriculum care. you can go into administration and yeah. you're still not going to have that same day-to-day -day all the time with the kids yeah. i think that's a slightly different conversation but the the part time here here's what I've I've learned summer and and this is just food for thought and not a definitive answer. Um, Ron Swanson said never half ass anything whole ass everything, and when I find that um, and I heard a saying one of the things that keeps coming up for me is this idea of splitting my time right I split my time between many many things, and I'm sometimes lesser for the effort. Um, I heard a saying the other day, I think it was Confucius saying that said um, something like the man that chases many things, one, maybe it's chickens. I don't know. It's basically the man that chases uh, two chickens goes hungry. The man that chases one chicken eats. I don't know, something like that. But the idea here is that when you're <laughs> multitasking, when you're splitting your time, when you're trying to be a teacher and rewrite standards or curriculum or whatever it is then you're coming home and trying to be a parent and be a really good spouse and be a really good friend and be a really good dog owner and a cat owner now um this is there are many things that are calling your attention but if you just get hyper focused on one how much better is the one thing you're going to be doing rather than the multiple things which is why as an educator i used to do a thousand things at school i built the play the sets for the plays i was in a band with other educators i was teaching i was teaching multiple subjects i was i would go and do all anytime they needed someone i did it and i found that i was doing a lesser job in the for me doing a lesser job in the classroom because i was splitting my attention between all these different things and so um sometimes i think it's really getting hyper focused on that thing that you feel like you've been called to do and that brings you the most joy and that brings you that you're passionate about. Like if you have to do that, then look. And the other thing is, do you have to do that forever? 
maybe not if you really love teaching but you see that this standard based thing really needs some work and needs some really true focus um to be able to navigate the politics and all the nonsense that's around that also then maybe you do that for a season and that season could be however long it needs to be um and then if you feel that you want to go back into teaching again then you do that and so for me i know that like this next season of my life is going to be educating educators and does that mean I'll never go back in the classroom again? I don't think so. I'm already thinking about ways next week, next year rather, that I can get back in with students. How can I keep, you know, not just out of a sense of relevancy, but like as a set, like I, that's, I gain energy from that. So how do I feed that part of my soul um, by leading after school program, by uh, tutoring kids at my, at one of the schools in the area? And like, I, I don't know, there's, I have a whole bunch of different ideas that I can kind of feed that part of myself a little bit while also doing the work that I feel um, for me that God is calling me into next. So I think that that could help. That's a great answer. Okay, our next question comes from Jacob. Um, it's a funny one. Student PDA in the hallway. What are some ways to handle that? Open to weird, funny tips. That's all I got, buddy. And there's no, uh, there's no serious tips here. Um, when I have students that are doing too much uh, – I will often say like, um, so I'll say that looks like a great idea. You know, this looks like an after school activity. Um, I say tickling one another, touching one another, uh, (laughs) whatever. Um, look, I'm all for it. It's an after school activity. Um, actually what I think you should do is maybe you should go, I think you should go down to the, go to the principal's office and let them know you think that there should be an after school program for tickling for making out for holding hands for whatever it is like this is a great idea i think this is a great idea you should you should literally go down. actually let me walk down there with you now and we're gonna have the conversation and we're gonna figure out a way that you can do this in school um or um you know the the microphone the bubble microphones that that we used to sell that we can't find anymore um to make uh those are a great way to like interview kids to break it up or i i'll tell you what um, this is disgusting, but my co-teacher brought a couch in from her, that was in her grandmom's basement. Um, and that was like where kids used to hang out all the time. And so it's pretty, I, I don't want to go into that couch. I don't want to know what's in there. Um, but the students root around, they root around the cushions and I go any, any couch that was in the basement and grandma's basement, probably if, especially if it's in there for a length of time, someone lost their virginity on that couch. I'm just saying, but, um, <laughs> They, it, we found two remote controls, so I sanitized them and I used them in the hallway. All they're old school, giant no. remote controls. And I pause kids, I fast forward them when they're late to class, I rewind them. Um, I they just look at you like they, you're an idiot, they do it all the they time. Do. All the flounders who's across the hallway from me, she is like Reynolds. I can't believe they respond. I don't, I don't understand. Or sometimes when kids walk, how like teenagers, they're really just still kids. But you just want to like, and you're, 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 you're engaging with. So look, for instance, and this, I'll get back to the PDA and how I would do this. But if kids are walking slow down the hallway, even if I go, yo, go, whoa, you, can you slow down? And they will literally go, my bad, Reynolds. And they walk way slower, right? <laughs> and flounders, and flounders. But then if you have the remote control and you're like, dude, you're going to be late for class. Fast forward. They literally will start walking faster. Or if I'm like, oh, you dropped your pencil, rewind. I want to know if you have a unique school or if other people did this. If no, kids 100%. There's 100% people on here doing this <laughs> stuff. Um, so if I had a remote control, I would hit like, 
pause. I would, um, oh, what are you all talking about? Were you all whispering to one another over there? Closed captioning. Like I would just make it absurd. And you're, what you do is find ways to call it out without embarrassing someone, but definitely letting them know that you're there. Sometimes when kids are too close to one another or people are too close to one another, I do this all the time. It seems really rude, but I do it anyway. Everyone knows I do it. I walk between people all the time as they're having conversations. And this is even better when there's almost no one in the hallway. Walk between two people. Sorry, I'm just trying to get my copies. Um, or And then I'll like circle around them and come. Oh, I'm, my bad. I'm trying. Like I act like there's all these people, but there's three people having conversations. Sorry, guys. Sorry, excuse me. I'm just really, I apologize. I'm just trying to get my copies. And it drives folks nuts. Lindsay King gets so aggravated with me when she's like, I know you think this is funny every time. And it's stupid every time you do it. And I'm like, and then last week she goes, last thing, and this has nothing to do with anything. She goes, I really don't like you. And I go, I know. That's because loving someone isn't the same as liking them. And and then she's just like, I hate everything. And I'm like, she's like she's my favorite she's my favorite person to aggravate at school you like people to hate like well kind of like i like you you know it's like when people look at like kevin hart and the rock it's that banter i love the banter i love it so anyway all right let's move to um sharon murphy it has um a three-part question all right part one I've been teaching a read-write development class freshman for two years. It's not a hard class to teach, but most of the kids fail because no matter what, what they won't do the work. Um, it's simple. Do the work and you pass. A colleague came to me and told me he would take that class from me, and in return, I would get one of his honor English 9 classes. I want to jump at honors, but part of me thinks I am treating one problem for a different one. Am I overthinking this? So, Sharon, I think, all right, there's there's quite a few things to say here, and I'll try and keep them as succinct as possible because, you know, this is the real name of this program should be short question, long answer. Um, one, if kids aren't doing the work, I think some part of that is reverse engineering their lives and letting them know, like, why this is important. So, um the it it is building in the why and i think sometimes when we make things too simple kids don't do them i'm not saying like i'm not i don't subscribe at all to this idea of like make it super rigorous and the kids will rise to the occasion i think that never works i think it's such nonsense um kids will do the work if they believe the work is going to get them somewhere and if they don't believe it's going to get them somewhere they're not going to do the work and sometimes kids have to learn the hard way right they need to fail so that they can which is why i really really do not subscribe to inflating students' grades. Our students get um, a 50 no matter what. So, like, you could have a three. I have a kid with a four right now. Four percent has missed an enormous amount of school, has a lot of other stuff going on. And I'm not about, like, I don't want that kid to fail at all. But I think really giving them a four and not a 50 lets them know, like, no, this is what you got. Now, if on the latter end you did the work, I don't, there's, there's more to say about that, but like, I'm about being real with kids. So that's just something there. Um, and that's probably a bigger conversation. That wasn't your question anyway. Um, with this in mind, sometimes shifting gears and taking on something else is, it is treating like, look, the grass is always greener for sure. 
but sometimes just getting into a different location, dealing with a different set of problems, I think gives you a break from the other problems. So what's your problem now? You have parents that email you too much. You have to come up with more uh, like with diff- more difficult work that's going to reach kids on a different level. It's um, you're, de- you're dealing with a little bit of a different game there. And sometimes that's just good. I think that when we do things like that, what we're doing is cross training. So I will say, for instance, um, I've taught history of hip hop for the last, I don't know, eight years, nine years, something like that. Um, and it gets boring sometimes. Like I, I've, I've taught this uh, so many times. I've done all the fun things. I've done like it's it has lost a bit of its luster. But, um, it, you know, so I've thought about like if, you know, this year, perhaps I, I, and I really didn't need any more change, which is why I didn't do it this year. Um, is that I should have changed it up. I should have done something else. like kids are into other stuff. That's cool. I could make something that's as innovative or as interesting or as cool as teaching the history of hip hop and done something else. But I didn't. Um, I didn't. And I know that if I went back to school next year, like even teaching ninth grade, I, I've thought about like um, potentially teaching 10th grade, like Going and teaching, taking my ninth graders I taught this year and teaching them in 10th grade again next year might be interesting. Um, that changing my elective might be interesting. I, I just think that that is cross-training for everything else you're doing. Whenever you do anything else in your life, it's cross-training for everything else that you're doing in your life. And sometimes switching it up um, and having different problems is just a good thing. So look, if you feel run down by that class, if you're feeling like you're not particularly getting anywhere, if you're tired and dealing with the same struggles and, and, and things with the students and with their parents and with that, um, then switching it up. Uh, yeah, switch it up and see, see how that goes. And then maybe that that's for a season and maybe you end up going back to that. Maybe even if you don't go back to that, when that teacher, the colleague of yours that takes it over, you're now far enough away from the situation that you can specifically, you can identify with the things that, uh, that colleague is going through in, in teaching that class and you have a little bit more of a bird's eye view now to be able to help with that. Maybe you teaching honors is really shifts some of your thinking and you're like, oh, what if they did this in that class? So now you're kind of teaming up. Um, and and I think that that's just, I think it just makes it a little bit more fun. I don't think you're giving up. I think a lot of times, look, and you didn't say this, but this is where my head goes because in working with a lot of teachers and maybe someone else needs to hear this too. Sometimes switching up what we're doing isn't giving up on what we're doing, right? It is it is trying something else out to get better. And so sometimes just because a class is hard and you've done it for a long time, like, look, maybe that's not where your giftedness lies. Maybe that's not the job you've been given to do for the season. Maybe the kid, like if you feel that that internal intuitive push or pull to something else, um, maybe the kids you were supposed to teach in that class, you already taught. Maybe now there's someone in that honors class that's really like, I know this gets a little woo-woo, but like it's really thinking about where am I supposed to be for this next season of my life um, and going there and showing up and 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 then letting, maybe that's a healing process for you. Maybe now you can go back and do that other class because you've healed from that a bit. I, I don't, I think there's something there, but if you feel good, if you feel good, like you're saying, you want to jump at honors, jump at honors, give that other class to someone else and then we are a team you're not giving up on that and now the two of you can can collaborate and do stuff together there's a ton of great stuff that can come out of that so i would I do think it there's something for intuition 
and I just think people should It is the sixth sense that most of us do not (laughs) listen to and that you argue against, but that there is some sort of intuitive prompting to do it. Children has like brought that brought that out for me. Um for sure. Okay, our next question comes from JW asking, what are some habits that you wish you developed before you started teaching full time? Oh my gosh. Um that's a good question. One, I, so look, I grew up, um, I, I think I just read too much Henry David Thoreau when I was kidding. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, there's <laughs> a lot so of, true. there's a lot of, that has benefited me from that, but there's a lot that has made me live by this idea of like, no, I don't want a calendar. I don't want a schedule. Yeah. I don't want to look at what time it is. And some of that helps, right? I still don't look at, you know this about me. I, I do not look at what time I go to bed. Because I don't want to start calculating in my head how much sleep I get and then marrying myself to the amount of what I'll do. What I used to do is like, and y'all know you do this. You go to bed at midnight and you know you have to get up at five and you start thinking, oh my gosh, it's only five hours of sleep. I really need eight. Um, So that's three hours less. I'm going to be really tired tomorrow. And then you start thinking about this until it's 1230 and now it's only have four and a half hours of sleep. I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. So I stopped looking at what time I went to bed and I just pretend that I went to bed on time and then I get up and that really has worked for me. I think part of it is the, is the, like now I live and die by the calendar, right? I know I'm very cognizant of what time it is all the time. And I, because then I can fit more in that's part of it. Um, I think learning how to say no is, is something I wish I had learned how to do at a younger age because when you start teaching you say yes to everything because you feel like you're going to lose your job if you don't and just realizing that um there's a guy Derek Sivers who says if you and I'll do the clean version of his saying he says you either say heck yes to everything it's either and if someone asks you to do something your answer is either heck yes but he does he says curse word in there um heck yes or no those are the only two options he's like I don't do anything else now look is there gray space in there? If a friend needs something, if a colleague really needs something, if someone has an off day, someone called out, of course, we sign up for things that to help other people because we're part of a community. But it's either heck yes or no. And I wish I had learned that uh, when I was younger. And then I think the other piece is I just need to do organization better. Like, I, 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 like being organized, not just with my time, with my calendar, but with where things go, having a place for everything and everything in its place, organizing my time, like during right now, first period I have a prep, I plan my day. Fourth period I have a prep, I grade stuff. Eighth period I have a prep, I grade, I uh, answer emails. It's the same thing every day. and But having that sort of rhythm helps me to do better. So yeah. There's, right. a, there's a, 10 more things I could probably think of too, but th- those are the three that come to my head the most fastest. All right. Our next question comes from Zoe. How do you deal with student preconceived ideas of your subject? We're about to swap over options, a UK thing, and I'd already don't want um, the, but this is this boring or difficult straight away. Um, Can we get around it? I do. One, I name it. So um, one of my favorite scenes ever in a movie is uh, in the movie Eight Mile uh, with, with, um, uh, with Eminem, duh, I'm, I'm blanking here, is in this final battle, right? So like every, he knows what people are going to dog him about. They know that they're going to dog him for being white, for living in a trailer, for um, 
like uh, like for being poor. It's like these are all the things you're going to call me out on. Yeah. But when um, you own that stuff, right? Like I already know what you're going to say. I already know you're going to say this is boring. Like I teach like ninth grade literature. I know you're going to say, I, but I don't like to read. I can't read. I'm not good at this. I never read. This isn't going to, why, how does this help me in my life? I'm never going to have to do physics when I'm working a job. I'm not going to bust out some physics moves while I'm like, you know, doing whatever it is that I, that I end up doing in my life. Um, it's kind of naming that stuff on the front end. And then I go, but reading's magical. Like why, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you read? It's literally magical on multiple levels. Like the fact that someone put a blot of paper on a, on a page and we all agree that that blot is an A and that if we put, um, the letter F and T on the front and back end of that, right? So now it says fat. We all agree that that says fat. There's, it's just a, an agreement, but that word right away is going to hit some of you and make you emotional. It's going to make you think of somebody. It's going to make you think of a time, a place, a situation, something that's happened in your life, right? That when we can put a number of those together and you can read a book and it will make you feel something that you will, it can make you let, you're sitting there looking at blots of ink on a page and getting excited, angry, um, you are laughing, you are mortified, you're offended, right? And you can feel those emotions from what? You looked at a page, and you looked at this, and this, this like you internalize it, and that's magical. Um, the fact that you can, I, I have kids read this thing out where there's like, um, read this as if someone's screaming, read this as if someone's whispering, like they're crying, like they're old, like they're a little kid. Like you're hearing those voices in your head. That is magical, man. And so I just think that one, let's do that Two, I don't have to go. So I was talking about this book in the beginning and about Jay Glazer talking about his depression. I don't have to go through all the things to learn the lesson. I'm fast tracking life. We want to talk about biohacks all the time. Reading is hacking your life. Reading is I get to learn from other people's mistakes. Reading is a time machine. Um, to the past, to the present, to other universes. It's incredible, right? And so, and then I talk about, here's why this has mattered in my life. And then here's really cool things about it. So if I'm thinking about, if I was teaching science, physics, biology, life science, whatever it is, it is, what are some hooks that are going to get kids stoked about what we're doing? Um, What's a way that I can present this? Like, where in the building can I present this? Um, where can we start class every day? Where can we start the first class when we when we switch over and start doing this? That we're not going to do it in the classroom. I'm not going to hand out a syllabus. I'm not going to talk about um, how this is going to go down or all the work that we have to do or how it's really hard or anything. It's let's let's go let's go live physics for a minute. On this first day, um, we line up outside the classroom. Hey, listen, everyone. I know you what you think we're going to do, but. Um, because everyone's, I know everyone's excited to learn physics. I know that you have like, some of you might have a physics tattoo or have an iHeart physics t-shirt or your gamer tag on Fortnite is uh, physics over everything. Um, I realize that you're here, right? I'm being sarcastic, but it is, um, but here's what we're going to do first. And then go do something that's some mind blowing physics thing that the kids are like, what? That's physics. And so the idea here, one of the things I talk about when I talk to schools and do professional developments 
which the UK would be a perfect place for me to go to because I love it there. So if you need a speaker, let me know, is this idea of you can lead. a We all know we've been taught this in our lives. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But I think you can make it really thirsty that when you start creating this and cultivating these moments in class that are exciting, that are compelling, maybe not the whole class wants to do it, but nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd, right? So you're creating these moments where the majority of your kids are coming in, they're invested, they're excited about what's going on that day. They don't know what else, what the hell are we going to do now? First day of class, we're outside, we're in the hallway, the back stairwell, we're doing this thing. What, what the hell's the second day have for us? And not every day can be that some days have to be notes and they have to be lectures and they have to be talking about stuff and they have to be you getting information so you can do something with it. But how are we going to make this unlike anything else that we've ever seen before? Even if that's one day a week, we go and do something or go somewhere or speak to someone. Um, I think it's bringing it into the real world and making it like y'all hate this because y'all think you know what we're going to do. You don't know anything. I'm about to blow your mind. And but so that's, I, like that I think it's fun. That through, I feel like that your suggestion is also through like not starting the year, maybe the typical manner, right? That's how I win every year. Yeah. Every year. That's how I become every, and this is no front to anybody else's class. No, it's like, but everybody should just because do it. Because <laughs> Cho and I, right? Cho and I used to start, Cho is a, a friend of mine I used to teach with, who's the greatest, one of the greatest people I ever worked with in my life. The, our first days couldn't have been different. And we didn't diss one another about it because at the end of the first week, I'm always everyone's favorite teacher. Chose no one's favorite teacher. But by the end of that first month and first quarter, end of the year, Cho is a lot of kids' favorites. And I've fallen off because we actually, oh, we have to do work also. They they find out that you actually toe the line or hold them accountable for things. Cho starts the concert by telling everyone, you're going to stay seated. I don't want to see cell phones (laughs) in the air. No vaping. She's going to give all the rules and break it down, but then she's going to launch into some magnificent set. We're punk rock from the jump. And as soon as you start, it is, we're fast and furious yeah. and it's everyone's running around and jumping and, and there's mosh pits and stage diving. Um, it all evens out if you're true to yourself. So, but yeah. I think that, you know, I, I've found success in that anyway. And I think more people would if they realize that, because look, the bottom line is for that, and this doesn't specifically go to the question is, what type of teacher am I? What kind of person am I? Where does, where do my, my gifts lie? My talents lie? Like what, who am I? And how can I be that out loud? Um, I think that that we find success when we start being who we were called to be. Yeah. Hit it wife. All right. I don't know if this was uh, a question for the group or for you. It doesn't have Q, but we're going to cool. bring it up. And it's Manuel asking, do you recommend any apps to help with reading? Um, I, yeah, so I used to use ones and then they cost money and then, um, uh, and then I stopped doing like, uh, anything that was kind of multiple choice for a while, uh, which I've since taken back and I do multiple choice because that's how most, uh, tests are given. Um, like at least on the high school level. So it's like, I wanted to like get kids ready for the SAT. So I made my test look like the SAT. Um, I, I think any of anything that helps is worth is worth doing um, that if you can shave time off of that, like my least favorite thing in teaching is all the like kind of clerical work. 
that has to be done. Like when I have to input it's grades, actual weak skill, like in it just sucks. It's, it's, it's not exciting. So like well. on Monday, <laughs> grades were due on Friday or so grades were stopped on Friday. I had a whole bunch of work handed in. I graded all of it and sitting here looking at multiple choice questions, mm-hmm. reading over answers that are just systematically put in. It's not like I'm trying to help a kid like, like rework the writing. It's so boring. Mm-hmm. And then I have to sit here like a machine and like, Put the grades in the grade book. Copy and paste the comments. It's like this isn't fun. I like I like teaching, right? I like interacting with students. Maybe to me, I just think anything that does anything that shaves out. That's why I don't grade half of my stuff anymore. If it's multiple choice, I have kids do it every single time. Um, I have kids do a lot. I have them organize my papers. I have them put them in the right folders. You don't use apps. You just put kids to work. I put kids to work. (laughs) So they're there for. I'm giving you a free education. Pay for it. (laughs) Oh, oh goodness. You love to get yourself canceled. <laughs> All right. It's only Angel is asking, graduating with a BA in six weeks. Job hunting starts now for New York City. Yes. Any idea on how the market is? I'm worried about not getting a full-time 7 to 12 social studies gig and being in a monetarily yikes situation. Um, Angel, yes. there's so many jobs right now open. It, I think a study came out. But is there's it, so many bad schools that they're showing yeah. too. Like, so I, it's not just, hey, there's lots of jobs. Go yeah. get one anywhere. It's like, you want to be cautious. Was it one in five teachers what? though are leaving the profession this year? Yeah, it's bonkers. But, um, so here's what I would do, Angel. If you're not a part of our Facebook group already, you should go to our Facebook group, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk. Tell everyone that you're trying to get a job in New York City and see what they say. Um, you might actually find folks there that are like, love my school. We have opening for not horrible reasons right or we're rebuilding or whatever they're doing um i think that's a good place i think a lot of times getting a job is who you know and then um it is i i think when i think about this stuff i think about uh gosh there's so much i think about but i'm trying not to be too extra about this i have a way that i think about certain things um you guys i'm just gonna talk about that what am i gonna do pretend to be something else uh sorry you're you're you're, uh you're 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 witnessing my the internal struggle of reynolds (laughs) i am such a big believer and look i don't know how this stuff works i don't even even know if it really works i don't even know what happens but i know that here's what i know angel whenever i drive anywhere um my wife could tell you I never start at the back of the parking lot. I just drive right to the front of the parking lot. We'll drive in, and my kids go, there's a parking spot right there. Yeah, but that's two blocks away from the friggin' building. Why would I park there? There's a parking spot right in the front. And I just go up there, and I'm telling you, how what percentage of the time would you say I actually find a spot in the front? Probably about 98% of the time. Yeah. It's, they, they go, there's a spot. Yeah, because no one looks in the front. Nobody. Everyone looks in the back of the parking lot for a parking spot because they just figure that's, that's all going to be taken up there. No, because no one looks up there. Um, I think it is when I, when I do stuff, I'm not sure if it's manifesting. I'm not sure what it is, but it is praying like it already happened. I walk, I try my best to walk into places, to walk into spaces. I am, I, and move in such a way that of of course this is going to happen. Of course I'm going to find a job. I'm getting like, I'm not, now I don't go when I open the paper today, open the paper. Oh my gosh. When I opened the classifieds today, back in my day, um, after the milk got delivered. So it's, it is looking on LinkedIn. It is asking around for jobs. It's looking, it's putting that out there 
And of course, I'm going to find a job. And I'm just saying, does this make logical sense? Is this a great, like, I don't know. No, it doesn't. It, it makes no sense. But I'm just saying it works for me all the time. Of course, like when we built this business, it was like, of course, this is going to work. And then I signed deals with with companies to do branded content. And I'm like, I, sometimes I'm just like, I don't even know how this is working. I don't even know how this is happening. But I just make decisions like of course this is going to happen of course this lesson is going to be great of course i'm going to connect with this person of course i'm going to dm this person ask them to be on a podcast and they're going to say yes of course it is moving through the world like of course it's going to happen and then here's what happens there's this thing in your brain called your reticular activating system and it works like this my wife handful of years ago probably longer than i realized bought a new car right we got a rav4 i have never Ever. She brought her home and I'm like, what the hell car is that? What is that? She's like, it's RAV4. And then she's also excited about it and stuff. I'm like, I literally. Let's just note that this was an emergency and I had to buy a car. Like yeah. I oh, it was I like. needed one like the next day. Yeah. So Went to the car place. She was a part of the gig. Just, yeah. you know. I wasn't a part. I didn't go and look at cars or anything like yeah. that. She came <laughs> home that night with a car. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, I've never seen one of these in my life. Can I tell you that the next day there were RAV4s everywhere? I don't know if everyone just bought one. Uh, if, if all of a sudden everyone was like, oh, you got a RAV4? Oh, well, Reynolds' wife got a RAV4. I'm getting a RAV4. <laughs> They're everywhere. Because as it turns out, what the reticular activating system does is there's so much external stimuli in your life. There's so many things going on from the leaves blowing outside of your room to the dog breathing to you breathing to the some noise that the clock's making in the next room to your neighbors talking to all these things that are happening all the time. You would go insane if your body had to take all of that stimuli in all the time. So what it does is it limits out the stuff and it focuses on what you need to focus on. And if I tell my mind that I need to focus on um, things in my life, it literally works every single time. So, and I, and I do this with my students too. I have my students to prove this works and you could do this yourself. If I said to you right now, close your eyes for 10 seconds and I want you to tell me every single thing in the room that's green. If you think about it, it's very hard to think about all the things in your room that are green, right? Because you're not taking in all that. But if you open your eyes, you'll start noticing, oh, that shirt over there is green and that basket's green and the back of that board game's green and that globe over there is green and my paper on my desk is green. You start noticing all the green things because you're looking for them. So is this is not a logical, maybe, answer to your question, but I think that when we start telling our minds what to look for, like I'm looking for job openings. I'm looking for great schools. I'm looking for great people to connect with. I'm looking for a short commute. I'm looking for a job in this area so I can work with these kids. If that's what I'm looking for, I'm just saying you have a greater chance of those things kind of just showing up. Um, and some of that's woo-woo and some of it's just scientific because it's your reticular activating system. But that shit works. And, and I wholeheartedly subscribe to it. What you got? That was a weird answer. Yeah, okay. You answered it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I did. I, I didn't answer it. Okay. We're, <laughs> next question. You did. I'm just teasing because <laughs> you're so crazy. I love us. Um, all right. Our next question is from Miss L. Question. What consequence, if any, to give for a mature, responsible 12th grade student who really messed up? I am more disappointed because the student should have known better, though I know I shouldn't be. So I, 
I'm, I'm thinking about this because I'm thinking about two things I did in high school. Um, and both came with an enormous amount of grace. Um, and you realize that when you're young, you just do dumb stuff sometimes. And I don't think that that's um, something we just want to instill in young people's heads and we just want to let them go with everything. But I am huge on being real with kids, being like, bro, you messed up. We're going to talk about it in the realest way possible and I want you to feel this, but I'm not into shaming you. Um, that when I think in high school, I was in 12th grade uh, and my English teacher, I took college English and I only took it because all my friends were in there. So I took college English and we had this final project that if I didn't do it, I wouldn't pass for the year. But I didn't care because I didn't want to do college. Anyway. I like just didn't care. So um, I just didn't do the project. And my teacher came to me and said that, what are you doing? You're like, you're, you're screwing up your opportunities for the future. Like you're going to, you're like not going to pass this class, which doesn't mean you won't pass high school, but then like you have this great opportunity in front of you where you get like free college credits. And, and we, he kind of walked through why this was important, why quitting shouldn't be an option, why it was important to stick with things and do things that were hard. Like we had this whole conversation and he could have just failed me. He should have just failed me because I didn't do the project. And he said, you're going to do the project and you're going to do it this week and you're going to hand it in on Monday. And for whatever reason, I ended up doing it. And I, when I think back to that particular teacher, um, Mr. Zeck uh, at Camden County Vocational Technical High School in Sicklaville, New Jersey, Mr. Zeck gave me that second chance. And I can tell you that as an educator, I have thought of that and that has affected my decision making on so many occasions where I've a kid is screwed up. They just didn't do the work. They just for like said, screw it. And I've had similar conversations and then giving kids second chances and then how they've showed up and, and really done the work. Another time I jumped off of a moving vehicle, um, sitting on the side of a car. My friend started bolting through the, the parking lot. I jumped off the car going about 30 miles an hour and I slid across the asphalt and tore myself up. Um, and there were teachers there and I should have gotten in trouble. I should have got suspended if not more like, like that was reckless ass behavior on both the kid driving and me being a frigging jackass. Um, but the, I didn't get in trouble. Um, they turned their back on it. They saw what happened. I know that they cared, but it was like a, you're going to get in trouble if we, if we acknowledge that you did this. So some like those two occasions. And then like, I, that was a whole thing afterwards, but like, I didn't get crushed for doing it. They were both terrible decisions. And I just think that sometimes it's really chalking it up to, you did a dumb thing. Do you know you did a dumb thing? Or are we going to do this again? If we do it again, it's a wrap, bro. It's a, like, you, I give. I, I tell my students all the time. I trust you until you give me a reason not to trust you. But even sometimes when you betray my trust, do we learn it? Are we going to do this again? Okay, then I, f I forgive you. It's over. Let's just move on and make better decisions going forward. And then that's it. And I think that 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 is. Look, someone said to me once: if given the choice to be right or to be kind, always choose kind. And that has served me really well in my life.
All right, our next question comes from Stephanie Shook. Uh, CJ, how are your dog and cat getting along? What did you do to help foster that relationship? Mine are still not quite friends. Steph, I am basically an animal whisperer. <laughs> and Let's just say CJ has done nothing. I have for, created for this space <laughs> for my wife to take over in this particular situation. So oh what, not-so-secret wife, would you like to speak to this? Yes, because I feel like this is all I do. Steph is... Um, our dog and cat aren't really getting along great. They are in a controlled For context, we have a six-year-old dog and a six-month-old kitten. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Um, and our dog is, like, spastic. And we never really trained him appropriately. And so this has forced me to, like, train appropriately. So those commands of, like, sit, stay, leave it. Um, he's feeling of, some type of way. I'm sure that you're even saying those words. He's I like, know. wait, what? Huh? No, I'm just laying here right in no, the sunshine. If I say the cat's name, his head will be up and he would be active. But so it's just controlling the environment. It's sticking with consistency with the commands. Like it's a lot of work, but I'm the one who does it since I'm the one who's home 24 seven. So he just follows me and I keep a leash drag. Like his leash is just loose on him and he just stays with me. He, that's like a sign that he's training. So he just stays with me and we just keep consistent with short commands like when he sees the cat it's a lot of it's a lot of training for him more I wouldn't so even say it. all the commands because it's going to yeah. trigger him but so it's just consistency like with any other kids or students or anything it always comes down to just being like really Here's consistent. the lesson in that There about a week ago maybe 2 weeks ago I feel like you've been doing this for about 2 weeks hardcore right give or take Oh, with the leash, with the, all the, like, bringing the cat down in the yeah, morning, having since, them being near one another. Since February, but said February 14th since we got her, like, two weeks after her, she healed. Yeah, but like, you, it's been, but she, that it's she was been upstairs. In, yeah, but that was, you weren't here. Like, yeah. that was still tons of work, but it was in a different format. Now we're, like, now I'm letting, he has enough trust that he's not going to attack her. Like, before he would, like, she was a toy to him. So it's been since yeah. mid-February, but yes, consistent in this space together for the last two weeks. I think about two weeks ago, you were two days in and you were really upset and you're like, I feel like this is never going to work. He's <laughs> never going <laughs> to. Now I look at them and even the pictures you send me when I'm at work. I'm they're amazed at the growth. So in that, I think one of the lessons is when we do, like similar to the question earlier, right? When we go get a singular focus and it's this is the only alternative. We can't we can't live with yeah, a dog and cat that don't which get along. Which is what has forced us to do it now. It becomes a priority. Just like you go hardcore on it. Damn near everything in your life, you get super clear on what you want, and you go hardcore on it. It always takes less time than you think. Yeah. And that two days in, it feels like crap. But like go to the, go to the gym and eat right for two weeks, right? You feel better. You yeah, don't. You're not like, beach body ready, no, right? You feel better. Still look a little dad bod out there, but um, <laughs> but you feel better. You see the momentum. You see the progress, and and yeah. so, so I think now that's he's been, able to be on the leash in the room together. He still has to be semi close. We're like inching. Well, he's getting close to like free roaming. And, and but we're like smelling each other's butts and stuff yeah, now. Getting, like with uh, that's the name of this episode. <laughs> no, it's not. Shush. Okay, next question. Um, so it's going pretty good, but I would just say be consistent. Um, okay, Sophia is asking, how would you go about talking to someone who is supposed to be a mentor and telling them that the way they give feedback wasn't the best way and that came off hurtful? 
Sophia. I love this. It's setting boundaries, girls. That's what I think. I think that's what it is. I had an instance this week, and I know this dude doesn't watch my program, so I'm going to say it anyway. Um, We have, like, some, like, these kind of security guys that work in the school, and they're always new, and they're all, it's always, like, they're never trained or anything like that. So, like, part of this, I can't even, like, diss them for it. But um, we, so one of the, I, I, I'll back this up. I'll give if not this isn't the long version. It's the shortest version of the long version. We have we have uniforms in school. I'm a pretty firm believer in uniforms in the right context, if for the right reasons, right? I think that uniforms level the playing field for students. I think that every kid has enough dress down uh, clothes for a day or maybe two days, but not for a week or a year. So you can swag out on one day. I just I just sure did just say swag out, but you can swag out for one day. But do you have it for the week? Probably not. So uniforms level the playing field for students. So this becomes a thing that we're not thinking about is systemized and automated and we can just move on with life. Um, Our uniforms have not been enforced this year in the least. I have kids that come to school with Crocs every day, with hoodies on, with all all manner of different outfits on. Um, And so the other day, for some reason I don't even know, um, Channel 6 Action News here in Philadelphia was coming to our school. So I had two people, right? An administrator and one of these security guys come into my room out of nowhere. I'm in the middle of teaching a lesson last Friday and start talking to kids about their uniforms. The first person, they were administrator. I let it go. Second person came in in the middle of my lesson. Doesn't even say anything to me. Excuse me, Mr. Reynolds, nothing. Starts coming in and literally yelling at and getting in kids' faces about their uniforms and why it's important and why you need to have this on. So after about 30 seconds... Because I, I was thinking, it was one of those moments where like, is this even happening right now? I had to literally go, sir. I said his name. I go, we are in the middle of doing something right now. Now, I said, if, and this is a little bit more aggressive than maybe someone has to go, but I go, if uniforms were so important to us, we should have addressed them in September. It's now April. We're not doing this today. We're in the middle of a lesson. You're not welcome to come in my classroom and do the, and have this sort of behavior. And then I was told my bad and they left. I'll tell you right now, that person's never going to come into my classroom again and tell me that and, and try and do that same behavior. Later in the day, another security person comes in. But now I know what's going on, right? Because what they said was, um, we just need them to be in uniform because the news is coming up. Well, I'm not here to like play game. I'm not here to like, you know, dress up just because someone's coming over. Like I, I'm like, I'm about the work. So it was, again, another person came in, tried to do the same thing. I said, I'm going to stop you right there. We're in the middle of a lesson. If you want to talk to the students about this, in the hallway would be a better idea, but we cannot do this in my lesson right now because this class is important. And then they didn't even know what to do. They just turned around and walked out of my classroom. So I think sometimes it's ripping the Band-Aid off and it's being direct with people. I will say this, that when we are direct with people, one of the reasons people, and I, I really like when people like me, so this is part of my gig too, I really have had an issue and still can sometimes still this does pop up where I really want people to like me. Um, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. I don't want them to be upset with me. I want them to like me. And so when I have someone not like me, that bothers me. And so sometimes giving feedback to someone in any way, shape or form, having a difficult conversation might leave them feeling some type of way. What I try to tell folks is this, that what I'm going to tell you what I need to tell you. I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you. And then I'm going to tell you what this is going to look like going forward. So I need it before we talk about things today. I need you to know that last week you said this thing to me. I really do best when I get feedback in this particular way 
It's how I process things and it helps me to move forward in a proactive way. It helps me to go into the rest of my day on offense and not feeling like I need to be on defense. But when we, you talk to me like this, it's not even your problem necessarily. It's my problem that when you say that thing, it triggers this thing inside of me and it upsets me. I don't like the way that you said that I thought it was offensive. I, th- I felt hurt by it. <clears throat> and maybe that's not even a you thing. Maybe it's a me thing, but it, it's a thing nonetheless. You as that per- you saying that to someone, right, is more about you than it is about them. You are training people. You're showing them how you want to be treated. And so in our lives, we need to do this. If my wife is just waiting for flowers because she loves to get flowers, but she never says to me, dude, bring me flowers sometimes, I'm not going to know, right? You can't just like drop hints and hope that they get it. You need to sometimes tell people. Now, does that take away from my wife? Maybe she thinks like, it'd be so much better if you just knew I wanted flowers. But he didn't know. But now I know. Now I'll buy you flowers every Friday for the rest of our lives. All the time. And if I don't have money, I'll go pick some. Like, but you're getting flowers. I'll draw you some. I'll make some out of construction paper. Whatever I got to do. But it's teaching people what we want. How we need to be loved. How we need to be treated. And that goes for everybody in our life. And I will tell you this. That their reaction to that is on them has nothing to do with you. You need to separate yourself from the thought and feelings of how someone else is perceiving this, especially if you tell them, I'm doing this with love. I'm doing this for me. I'm doing like this is if they want to take it a different way, if they want to say, I really think they meant this, though. I don't play that game. I don't play speculating. I don't play any of that nonsense. I tell you what I need to tell you. I tell you that I love you and I care about you and I wanted to have a great relationship and I want this to be the best community ever but when you talk like that it makes me feel like this so in the future I really need you to to do this instead if we want to keep having this conversation otherwise it's a wrap and we're not going to have this conversation what you do with that is on you I love you but sometimes love looks you know it doesn't always look like a hug sometimes it looks like you know a stern conversation and so that's where I'm at with that all right let's do one more let's do one more um Summer over on Facebook is asking, I'm finishing my graduate program and I haven't been the best teacher this semester. I'm wrestling with guilt because because of it. Does anyone have any tips on that? My mental health just hasn't been the best and I'm struggling to graduate. Yes. Summer, I'm going to tell you that. So I just had a conversation the other day with a gentleman at school. Um, and this is someone I wrote about in my book. Um and who's an amazing teacher. And we just got to talking and I was saying something about having a hard time being fun this year. And he goes, oh, I don't even think about fun anymore. And I was like, what? Like, you're always fun. Like, he's an unbelievable teacher. He says, um, yeah, I just, I just don't have it in me this last couple of years. And I want to be able to go home to my daughter and love her. So I can't, I can't leave it all on the court here. And so that was so eye-opening to me because I have also found it found that I am not as silly as I once was. I'm not I'm not, I don't have that like it's this whether it's covid, whether it's five principles in 6 years, whether it's all the new stuff, whether it's the 50% of teachers leaving my school this year, all the things, right? I'm sure they all play a part in it. But the it is it's been harder for me to show up like like I used to. Um, and that 
I beat myself up about right. Like I, I don't talk to myself kindly about that sort of thing. Um, but when I talked to this other teacher the other day and they said that I was like, damn, like it just made me feel better. It made me feel like I wasn't such a failure or damn, this happened to you too. Like, you're awesome. You know, like, I think you're actually a better teacher than I am on a hundred different levels. Um, it just made me feel better. And so I'd say this one teaching is the only thing it's the only job in the world I can think of that you're expected to be great at from the jump and you're just not right. No one goes to plays drums for a week and then they're in a band and they're crushing it. Right. Like you, you have, you have to, it's a craft. You need to get better at it. So it is recognizing where you are and then getting better. The mental health thing, right? Like this plays such a bigger, your teaching has so much more than it does to do with you and your internal life than it has to do with anything revolving around pedagogy. The end. What that means is who do you, who does Summer need to become to be the teacher she's called to be? And that probably has nothing to do with lesson plans or scaffolding or any of that stuff. It has to do with how does Summer rest? How does Summer give to herself? How does Summer um, create space and time in her life to just love on her, to just fill herself up, to not just rest, but to rejuvenate? Those are two very different things. Resting is sitting on the couch and watching TV or playing video games, and that's useful sometimes. But what is Summer doing to hang out with friends, to um, go to a concert, to go out for coffee with a friend and not talk about school, but to just fill up to just feel joy to just be excited and maybe it involves something deeper maybe it involves seeing a counselor seeing a therapist and then learning how you work so you can optimize yourself i think that there's levels to teaching right and one of my here's this guy darius daniels um who does spiritual direction for me darius talks about there's levels to this and there's a level one life two life and three life and level one life is like living in mom's basement. I hate everything and I hate my life and I live on a four all the time. Level two life is like you're kind of middle of the road, right? You feel all right. You're not amazing, not great, not living the best life ever, but you're not depressed every day. But that level three life is you are, it's not exempt from problems, but you just have better problems, right? It's like, it's not exempt from stress or anxiety. It's just like a better form of stress and anxiety. And you are on a level in which you're navigating. So when I feel stressed, when I feel anxiety, when I feel the depression, I know what to do. I know where to go. I know how to handle. I know what's next. And you live in more, you, you experience more highs and less lows when you live like that. So I think it's pouring into you. So now you spent all those years in college and getting your graduate so you could be a teacher. Now, how do you become the best you so those things come together and then it's an explosion of awesome all over the place. But that, like, I think that, look, and I've been, I'm not, I didn't come up with this idea, but I subscribe to it wholeheartedly. You need to, this is everyone on here, you need to work harder on you than anything else in your life. On, then on your marriage, then on your kids, then on your house, then on your teaching, then on your students, then on your dog, then anything else. You have to be number one because the rest of the world benefits on the overflow of love that you have for yourself. Right? I'm going to say that again. The rest of the world 
benefits over the love you have for yourself. So I have a value system. This is the last thing I'll say because I don't want to go on too long about this because this could be a whole other book. Um, my value system in my life, I have it written down on a piece of paper that I keep next to me um, all the time. And that is God, then me, then my wife, then my kids, then my work, then my friends, and, and so on, right? There's about 10 things on it. The reason that has to be is that I know my connection with God is my thing. It gives me all, all the purpose, all the life, all the answers that I, that I need. Then it's me. It's not my wife. She's not first. Because if I don't love myself, I can't show up and love my wife fully. And it's not my kids before my wife, right? Which you feel like it should be your kids first. Put your kids first in everything. It's not. They're third. They're fourth, actually. Because if things aren't strong between my wife and I, then my kids don't get the benefit out of the overflow of love my wife and I have. When we are loving each other and we are the app, like we get along incredibly well. When we're like loving and kissing and hanging out and holding hands. And even when my kids get embarrassed about that stuff, because it's goddamn, we're 45 years old. We're still doing the same thing. And like, you're not teenagers. Who cares? We still sharing this thing. And like, we're just, we're just in love so much that my kids get to experience that. Now, if you've ever seen a relationship where parents put kids first and themselves second, right? The kids, it's, it's, it's out of balance. It's out of whack, right? Um, so it's really, really loving on yourself. So the rest of the world, your students included, can live off the overflow of that love. So that's what I would suggest you do is really look deeply into what you need to do to become the best version of you. And then everything else gets better in your life when you do that. Um, and look with that, um, I just want to thank all of you because that's what you're doing. You're showing up here so you can be the better version of you. Even if you don't know it, that's what you're doing um, so that you can show up on Monday and be a level three teacher or as close to it or even a one. If you're one right now, you're at one and a half tomorrow. It's a step. We're, what we're doing is not celebrating just awesomeness. We celebrate these steps, these shifts, these movements towards being the best version of yourself. So look, if you haven't already, when we have these conversations, <clears throat> It really helps if you hit the like button and if you hit subscribe and hit the bell. It pushes us in the algorithm. That helps more people to see who we are and what we're doing and helps more people to know about what you all are doing. If you're not a part of it already, our Facebook group is an incredible place um, to meet teachers that are doing really, really great work. Uh, and it's just right over at Real Rap with, it's uh, right over on Facebook, Real Rap with Reynolds, um, Teacher Talk, type that in uh, and we'll let you into that situation. And then um, anything else that you need, from speaking, look, the summer's already filling up with speaking engagements. If your school's looking for professional development, for keynotes, for help with new teachers, with onboarding, with what? A book. Yeah, with book getting a book for summer reading um, <clears throat> for teachers, uh, you can find everything at realrapwithreynolds.com. And as a matter of fact, it's worth no noting, if your school does decide to get my book, um, please reach out to us. There's a discount. There's a discount if you get a bunch of books. So like if you're ordering... 10, 20, 30, 100 books for your school or you're getting more for your district, um, you get a better rate uh, if you go through us because we can direct you with the publisher and, and then they give it to you like for a way cheaper price than you're going to get it even on Amazon because even though this thing's on sale right now, it's usually $24.95, right? $24.95 right on Amazon. Uh, but right now it's like 17 bucks or something, but you can get it for even cheaper than that if you go through us. So just let us know, please. Um, that's it, gang. Anything else, wife? Have a great week. I love you guys so much. I'll talk to you later. Peace.